So here it is, episode three of the podcast. And unfortunately, I still don't have a working title. So if you have anything that you could suggest, that would be great. I would take that in advisement because it can't be called podcast forever, I suppose. That would be kind of weird. But I also don't want to not make episodes until I have a title. So we'll just figure it out eventually. Uh, this one will be called The Past and Present and Future with Jason Moses O'Toole. He is an ideal individual within the CSGO community to speak on these topics with. And it, it was definitely sort of somewhat appealing to get a little bit nostalgic and talk about some of the older days uh, with Jason. Uh, he's been around forever. He was playing at the professional level in the 1.6 days in North America. And he's he's seen it all really as far as esports and pre the pre-esports era is concerned, if that's a thing that you sort of believe in. Um, esports before it's called esports. And he's currently, if you don't know, and I imagine if you follow CSGO, you will know of him. He is talent. Uh, he started off as an analyst, doing a lot of great work translating the more complex things happening in CSGO to the newer audiences and the older audiences alike. And he does it very well. And he since has moved to also doing work every so often in hosting, but more commonly as a commentator, a move that he wanted to make for a while and has done in so uh, with Anders. Um, now that Semler has departed that duo, uh, we have Anders and, and Moses. So, so definitely going to be a lot of fun talking to Jason. So without further ado, it's time to get into today's episode. All right, thank you for joining me, Jason. This is, you're going to be number three on, I don't have a name for this yet. I don't know if you have any suggestions, but uh, so, so uh, working progress um, on the name front. Listen, I, I know Duncan and I used to name our shows um, based around something that occurred in them. So maybe you just pick uh, one of your one of your favorite moments of where we say something stupid, which will definitely happen. Uh, and we can we can pick from there. Nice. Yeah, I, I like that. That's that's a that's a pretty good naming method methodology. I, I think I can dig it. It's very easy when you have um, when you have someone like Duncan on the show because he says the most outrageous things. So you're always going to get like some form of like uh, not not clickbait, but definitely an attention grabbing title to your show. That's that's a good point. <laughs> There's no question when it comes to that for Duncan. So uh, let's let's jump into it then. Uh, so so I've named this past, present, and future with Jason Moses O'Toole, which is uh... X Men Seven. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's me, <laughs> Professor X. Indeed. Oh God, I didn't. Even, oh man, I didn't even. I didn't even <laughs> make a connection. Oh dear, that's that's pretty good. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah. And and so one of the reasons why. Um, I wanted to to do this with you. I mean, there's so many, there's a vast array of topics that we could talk about, and I'm not sure I'm going to have you back on many times. But one of the reasons I wanted to go through on this uh, particular topic right now is because recently, of course, I saw a tweet from Stewie, and he's like, oh, no, uh, just like that, CS might have died, is what he said. And in, in reference to the Fortnite $100 million that's being sort of distributed over the year for their tournaments. Yeah. And you know, your response was, and and I often see you making these responses. You know, you, you very much have the sort of I've been around uh, the block a few times uh, type sort of vibe in the CS community. And you said, CS has survived far worse. Don't be afraid, little one. So, so uh, uh, <laughs> I like that. And, uh, and so I wanted to, because there's a lot of people that um, are sort of post, like, I, again, like no one really defines the errors in any way just yet, but I kind of like to to define them, you know, myself by saying like, you know, 2010, sort of when Twitch first uh, came came about, that that's sort of like, that's the esports era. Anything before that's like kind of the, the, the pre-esports era. <laughs> so I, I don't know like if that really holds any water, but anyways, um, 
so for the people that weren't around before Twitch, um, can you can you tell us about some of the well, what do you, like what what springs to mind when you think of the biggest challenges and actual catastrophes from the past, things that threaten the existence of CS um, as as we knew it as a as a game we love to play. Uh, I mean, I would say like right off the bat, uh, once you once you say like, what do you think of when you think of like an esports catastrophe as it pertains to Counter Strike? I would I would my first thought just goes right to CGS. <laughs> um, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think everyone who was around back then um, kind of is the same way um, with that that kind of a catastrophe. Um, but I mean, I mean that that's an area era of. Um, Counter-Strike where CGS essentially comes in, I, you know, I did a video on this as well um, a, a few years back, but CGS came in and it was this big production, it was this big thing, it was kind of what like OWL and even, even you know, I guess LCS to a certain degree where it was franchise model, um, you know, all the, all the teams like got moved, so complexity became what? There was the Los Angeles complexity, there was the Chicago Chimera, there was the New York something I forget what exactly they were um, but but you know they were they were in there was there was a team of the Carolinas and all this all this shit and it was way before the infrastructure was actually able to handle kind of regional fan bases uh, like like there would be money in the, the regional areas but anyways when that inevitably failed which which you know I think even the people involved kind of saw that coming very very quickly um, if you if you speak to them about it um, they had taken all the teams and they had basically said, you, you can no longer play 1.6 games. Even, even during the off season, you guys are just your CGS players. You're only allowed to play in tournaments that have CS source. Um, and it essentially took, at least in North America, took the entire 1.6 scene. I know over in Europe, um, the split was a little bit more divided because there were a few more source teams. In, in North America, there, were, there was only like one source team at the time, maybe two. I think Team Dynamic was kind of the big one. I'm not entirely sure when they formed. I wasn't too knowledgeable of the source scene. But anyways, when it died, all these teams no longer had anything to do all these former 1.6 teams and players the guys who'd been playing for seven eight years had been you know top placers at cpls had been world champions at some point um there was no 1.16 to return to because for two years or a year and a half that had been decimated by this switch there were no more grassroots tournaments there was no more um you know big tournaments tournaments whatsoever there were there were no more there was no more money in it because there was no one really interested at that point because the entire 1.6 scene had been dead and killed off by CGS to begin with. Um, so uh, the fact that we survived that, um, and I guess this is this is a good place. Um, sorry to do this on on your show, um, is where you know with all the negative publicity that ESCA gets, ESCA was really heroic at that point in time because ESCA was really the only Counter-Strike company and venture that was making a lot of money in the Americas. Um, and and they, they just basically came up and that's when the ESCA league started. They saw the vacuum. They saw the need for some kind of a, a league, some kind of a tournament, and they became the new one. And they just basically said, listen, we're making all this money from our subscribers. Um, we can we can build a league. We're going to start out small and we'll grow this up over years. And that's kind of where we saw it get to, you know, those ESCA lands that we saw at the beginning of CSGO had been going on for a while. And, and just then they kind of got to the to the levels of high prize pools. Beyond ESCA, do you think there's anything else really that's uh, sort of contributed to saving everything? Because obviously there, there was a lot of other things um, that were going on that were the problematic as well. Uh, I, well. I mean, even even just in general, even without the C, that, that major CGS failure, I know, for instance, I mean, just want to talk about not a catastrophe, but another thing that was quite dangerous to to the scene at the time that we survived through was just in general the release of the release of Source. Um, that that really split the community and divided it in two. That was something where 
you saw all these players who had been competing in 1.6 in like main level teams and open level teams. They've been trying for years to become professional. It's a very difficult thing to break into the professional scene. Um, and, and once you're there, it's very difficult to fall out of it. And I think I, I know a lot of people have issue with that these days and that's that's been lessening, but it very much was like a, a professional teams group where once you were there, you were gonna get recycled onto another team if you ever got cut. Um, so it wasn't easy for new people to break into it. And a lot of the people that tried, um, you know, switched to source when it came out. And, and so you had this divided community where half the attention was on 1.6, half the attention was on source. Now, the good thing was back then, we didn't have the streaming platforms like Twitch, right? So your your sponsorships for these esports events were very much just kind of given to high publicity games, not necessarily based on, on viewership. Yeah, you know, you weren't selling viewership to these companies the way we are with Twitch now. So you, we kind of could still get sponsored for 1.6 or sponsored for source once those came out um but i mean that in itself is, is a very difficult thing to survive is, is half your player base just just going away and by the way when when the cgs catastrophe happened just to circle back not to jump around but once once that League came out all the top players and teams back then basically retired they kind of left and they're like oh we were making you know maybe three thousand or twenty five hundred dollars a month was a high salary back then um we were making this and now there's just no market. There's no reason for these orgs to pay us. There's other games out there now. Call of Duty was getting big, you know, Starcraft was still around. So um, they, the players also that had been in Maine all of a sudden got promoted to being the best teams in North America, right? Like if you're a shit tier player and everyone above shit tier leaves the game, all of a sudden you're, you're the God um, just by virtue of no one being above you. Um, and I think that was one thing that held the States back, even, even stretching into the early years uh, of, of CSGO. Um, but, you know, there, there's been things like that. I mean, you think of the other cast, you think of Virtus Pro. That's a team that's been, you know, high profile players. Um, they've won majors in 1.6, all the sponsorship catastrophes they've went to. We've seen Counter-Strike has survived CPL, which was like the bedrock, the foundation of Counter-Strike as an esports. All the scandals that came out when that shut down, all the missed payments, all the prize money, the prize pools that weren't paid out to teams. Um, We've we've survived some real real shady shit in Counter Strike and and I, and I think that Stewie thing was just uh, a bit much. It's not just Stewie as well. It's other players out there. Not to just focus on him, but um, this this scene and this kind of touches on your most recent question has always survived and not only that but thrived based off of the the love and the, and the passion and the creativity of the community. Like, you know, it's never been because Valve was this supporting hand that like, you know, was propping us up the way that other developers kind of have to do with their games and their games, esports infrastructure. This has largely always been built from a community and a grassroots level. Um, and that's what's allowed us to survive for what, 20 years now, I think very, very few or 19 years, I guess it would be at this point, very few games can boast that. Um, and I, and I think it's very dangerous to have the conversation that that's happening publicly, whether it be professional players outright bashing the devs or outright saying Counter-Strike is dead or outright saying Counter-Strike is going to die. I think that's a very dangerous conversation for professional players, especially to be kicking off because it permeates to the lower levels. It trickles down to the lower levels of the community. And that's when you start seeing all the posts on Reddit, this game is dying or just the joking YouTube posts. But if you get enough of those, if enough people who don't actually know the scene intimately enough see all these posts, they're going to start believing Counter-Strike is dying. And that in turn is going to propagate, you know, that, that kind of idea. And it's going to, in some ways, bring that into reality. So I, I, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I've gotten to the point now where, um, to be on a soapbox a little bit, I guess, where 
I'm going to have, I, I feel like it's my responsibility in a way to be more outspoken in telling people to shut the fuck up when they, when that, when that happens, like whether it's a player or not, but you know, I, I feel like you, there's only a certain point. I'm just so tired of seeing players publicly bashing the game and talking so disappointingly about it when they've all been through the growing pains in the past. This is the best we've ever had it. And to, to see a player that's making $20,000 a month say the game is dying, I think is, is really unfair of them, really unjust. And, and, and it's, it's quite dangerous to me. In my mind, it's, it's quite amusing, especially like in the in the context of all of the the, the past and and you know being around in the the early days. And do you think um because you know you, you sort of briefly mentioned like some like new game iterations, you know, creating like a community splitting effect. Do you think that that was a really big deal? Because because when we looked at it, you know, way back when it seemed like the biggest thing ever. You got World of Warcraft coming along, and everyone's playing that because yeah. there's there's not a new update for for you know for one point six or something like that in a game is you know a little bit boring to people and again there's like no way to really make a lot of money from it unless you're a very top level player already and uh and i remember actually on, on all the forums and stuff that you know quake players hated ut players and and ut players hated quake players but both quake and ut players hated cs players but then, but then when, yeah. when uh, world of warcraft came out quake ut and cs uh players sort of banded together as brothers to to collectively <laughs> hate on world of warcraft and the damage it had done to uh the, to our collective fps scenes uh i mean i've i don't a game like warcraft never had like an impact on like destroying the, the community right of the player base of counter-strike but it certainly took time away I've, I've always made this joke and there's a lot of truth to it is uh the three things that you you need to stay away from if you're a professional player or you need to like the three things that have the highest risk of destroying your career as a professional player, and, and I think even a League of Legends caster got in trouble for saying something along these lines. So I guess in a way I have to be careful, but I also don't really give a shit. Um, one of it is is marijuana uh, or cannabis, whatever whatever you people out there prefer. Um, the other one are girlfriends, and the third one is is World of Warcraft. Um, I've seen more players, and I guess with World of Warcraft nowadays, with that kind of being phased out uh, to a certain degree, you can kind of just say other games, like insert PUBG, insert. Fortnite, insert, you know, legal, whatever you want to do, whatever your other game is. Um, those, those just occupy so much time. And, and, and in the early days, it was World of Warcraft. And I can't tell you the amount of players that I saw their individual level back in 1.6 slip once World of Warcraft came out, or the amount of teams that all of a sudden look looked so uncoordinated inside of the game once World of Warcraft came out, all because, you know, instead of watching a demo before practice or instead of deathmatching or whatever it was before practice, you'd be playing World of Warcraft up until two minutes before, and then you'd get up and you'd go take a piss and you'd come back and you sit down for practice. So all of a sudden, you're not having as much time. I mean, playing at this level of competition is, is very time consuming. Um, and I guess I was lucky all through my early career that I was never occupied by a game the way that Counter-Strike did. That was, I mean, even, even today, Counter-Strike is one of the, one of the few games that I even, that I even play. All my other games are just like mindless, stupid shit. So, um, <laughs> Clash Royale, well, I mean, that's because while traveling, it's one of the rare games that I always have access to, right? Um, now with Nintendo Switch out, I can I can mess with that a little bit. But I mean, even at the end of the day, and I don't even get to do this often because of how often we travel, um, you know, I play League of Legends, but I only play the Arams. I don't even play the actual competitive mode. I just want to go into a one lane, you know, just 
blow each other up. There's 10 people in a very confined space and you play a quick 15 to 20 minute game and you're done. And maybe I knock out like two or three of those and then go to bed. Just, you know, something to relax with. Right now I'm on a whole Diablo 3 kick and, and I know all the Diablo 2 loyalists are going to yell at me and everything like that. But um, it's just a game where I can turn off my brain and just, you know, blow something up and just relax and listen to music or watch a show on Netflix while I'm doing it. Um, but but no, I think it's it's silly to kind of think that some of these other games, I mean, especially if it's not an FPS, it's not really going to split things. But I think w one thing you have to remember is even to this day, Counter-Strike players and fans um, are very elitist and we're very proud of the legacy that, that Counter-Strike has had. And um, and I think what's kind of happened in this generation of, of players and in this generation of the community is that it's almost developed into an insecurity where we're so proud that we're lashing out at all the other games. Like I make some jokes about Call of Duty, but I, I don't think Call of Duty is ever going to steal the fan base. Call of Duty is always going to be, you know, to me, it's going to be like a game um, where, you know, you, you play it, you know, as a, during college and you kind of get hooked on it during college, or at least that's what it was for me. And you get hooked to the single player. Um, but it's a different, it's kind of like a different pool of gamers that are attracted to competing that are attracted to counter-strike it's it's an interesting point actually we might just just to circle back on it just ever so slightly um as this is often a discussion when you talk about you know people get criticized i remember there was a lot of there's been various reddit posts of people who sort of i won't say spy because if you have a public profile 